Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I got Coach Austin Bettigrew, our head coach at Fittown Jupiter, joining me again today. And today we're gonna to be talking about eight different ways that you can avoid burnout as a coach. And we're talking about this uh, a little bit from the gym owner's perspective. So if you're an owner out there who's trying to help your coaches from not getting burnt out, as well as if you're a coach, how you can take ownership of your own uh, burnout or uh, predisposition to get to burnout and uh, prevent yourself from getting there. Because you know, really, it's one of the worst things that can happen in our industry where you get a coach that's super passionate about this, that loves what they do, and they end up just getting burnout and going in a different direction. And one of the big parts of our mission is to help professionalize the coach, provide career opportunities for coaches, and you know, avoiding burnout is really a big key piece of helping to make that happen. So we're gonna go through eight different ways, elaborate a little bit on how we've tried to do it, um, and uh, hopefully this is helpful for you guys. So what's one of the first ways that, that coaches or gym owners can help coaches avoid burnout? Yeah, so first off, just to kind of circle everything in, our goal is when we're saying all these things is to start creating a career path for the coach. I think that's a, a pretty big opening statement because if you are a part-time coach or you only have part-time staff members, it's a little harder to get away with some of these things mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about. But if you are one of the, um, the gyms that are trying to make the step forward and creating career, real career opportunities for your staff, um, the first thing I would do and the simplest thing I think gym owners can do is start helping um, your coaches get on a pretty consistent schedule. Um, and the way we kind of do that here is we've kind of divided our coaching staff up between AM and PM. And these are all like what they've told us they would rather do mm -hmm. um, as far as like what fits their day. If they'd rather be a really early morning coach or a later PM coach. Um, and then it just gives some consistency around their week, which allows for easier scheduling of PTs. If they have any other duties they need to do, like programming, maintenance, any of that kind of stuff, they can actually put it on their schedule. Um, and then we'll talk about in just a minute some other things they can put on their schedule. But really, it just allows them to get consistent in a week. And you know, when you first start out or years ago when this was a newer thing, it would be like, hey, you're gonna coach Monday opening, Tuesday a random noon and a 4.30, and then it's just, it's a random thing and you can never really find out like, can I schedule this person here now or am I gonna be coaching? And what we've kind of done is just laid out AM, PM shifts, and then it's a very consistent schedule unless there's some coverage that needs, but that's very sporadic as well, so. Yeah, when you're burning the candle at both ends, like our earliest class is 4.50 a.m. That coach is waking up before 4 a.m. to run that class. Our latest class is finishing up around 7.30 with cleaning duties or getting out of the gym after eight o'clock. And, and I find personally, if I coach, if I close the gym, I'm not gonna go to bed before 10, just cause it takes me that long to kind of wind down um, from that eat dinner and do all that stuff. So it's a really hard turnaround to make that. So just to kind of give some clarity to how we do it, uh, basically if you're an AM, if you choose an AM shift, you won't open the gym every day, but you will probably open the gym two to four times a week. And hopefully you will never close the gym. That doesn't mean you won't have any afternoon hours or uh, 40 days to fit personal training. You just would never close the gym. You would, you would kind of be taken off those last two and a half, three hours. And then if you're a PM person, it's just that in reverse. So you're going to close the gym two to four times a week and you would never open the gym at all, but you still might have a late morning shift or something like that because uh, the way we have it set up, we like to have coaches coach different hours. So there is a little stagger to it. It's not like, okay, if you're a 6am coach, you have that across the board. They have 
different shifts on different days. Um, I think the, that? yeah, I think to build on that too, um, that might get a little confusing because some. <laughs> I remember like when we first opened. I'm sure when you guys first opened, is you basically coached all the classes. It was it was just you guys running the show. I know for Danielle and I, it was just us running the show. So we mm-hmm. coached morning and PM. Um, here we try to keep coaches under three hours on the floor per day. So even to say like, oh, they're a mid-morning shift and then the next day they might do a closing shift, the, the maximum that they're doing in a day is three hours. Right. So it's not like we're demanding a lot um, in that time too. We, we do try to keep those hours on the shorter end to keep the quality uh, much higher. Cool, so let's kind of keep more of the scheduling theme going. So I think the next thing that coaches and gym owners can do to help uh, prevent burnout is to reflect on and refine what your perfect day is. Okay. So it's the first exercise that we do. One of the first exercises that we do when we're hiring with our coaches is have them fill out a questionnaire where I believe the last question is for them to give, give us a vision of what their perfect day looks like. And the goal is not necessarily to hit that perfect day right from day one, but to at least know what direction we're moving in. Like going back to the AM and PM shifts, like you need to know if someone really enjoys waking up early mm-hmm. versus they really enjoy working late at night and they like to sleep in. Like that little nuance of you working with the coach or the coach having the self-awareness to know what they prefer could be a night and day difference. Like our goal is really to get, find coaches that will work their ass off, but the work feels effortless because it's constantly aligned with kind of their natural personality. So the more we can, the more we know where we're going, the more we can find those low hanging fruit that we can just slip into their schedule. Yeah. And I think uh, to add on that, I, from the gym owner's perspective, I think you should be having tons of conversation with, uh, with your athletes or the head coach or the manager, whoever should just be talking to them quite often just, just to recheck in with them on that perfect day. Because like we've had recently some coaches um, that have some, somewhat changed their direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, I know we've had a PM coach who like, man, I don't, I don't want to be here that late anymore. And now they're completely shifted to the other side, which is opening. Yeah. Um, we've had coaches that decided that they would rather do more one-on-one work instead of uh, group classes, but we wouldn't know if we didn't ask. So I think asking um, is a big part of it. And then if you're just a coach, like just reevaluating yourself every now and then, if you don't have someone to ask and then bringing that to your management or just whatever you are doing on your own to, you know, always, always be moving towards that, that perfect day, so to say. Yeah. And then it's going to come in with the auxiliary roles too. So I, I talked about this in a recent podcast when I talked about high value skills for rockstar coaches, but I just think there's, there's skills that people have talents that people have that they maybe take for granted. Maybe it's like, could be sales. Hey, I'm really good at talking to people. That's a good inclination towards a sales role. Um, maybe it's photography or social media. There's, there's a lot of coaches who really enjoy social media and then there's a lot of gym owners who absolutely hate it. Is there a place for you to add value in something that is easy for you, feels effortless, feels fun for you, but would actually have the chance to add a lot of value to your gym? And, and that should be things that you, you build into your perfect day and start to work towards is, is finding those, those little niches within the gym um, that you have a uh, particular skill set that other people don't have and really leaning into it. And the coolest part about that is that then takes workload off of, uh, of the owners and the, or the management because mm-hmm. there's probably something that they don't want to do that you are really good at or passionate about that's just going to help the team in general. Um, we had some gym owners come and visit and I think that was one of their biggest takeaways is like, I need to get rid of some of these, these extra duties that I have. And they had some people on staff who like, 
were willing and able to take it yeah. on and that's a huge load off their shoulders but it's also a, a something a role that that coach loves and is passionate about so it's probably going to get done better anyways in the long run so yeah and um and, and one luxury that you're going to get over time as a coach is with your personal training clients you're going to have you're going to start to learn like who do i like working with who is my ideal client from a personal training standpoint which might be different than the gym's ideal client for for group classes and the you know once you get start to build that book of business you can start to define and refine who that ideal client is and lean more into that and then the last thing i'll say in terms of that perfect day is there's going to be roles that you're going to have to take on that you don't really love that aren't really part of your perfect day so like cleaning is a big one maintenance is another big one you might be a big asset to the gym in that area the gym might just really need you to do that and that might be something that is not the funnest thing for you is not something that you like um, but it's not necessarily about let me get rid of this thing as fast as possible because the gym does need it done and you see the value in it but you can potentially batch stuff together so like uh, with cleaning and maintenance you could listen to podcasts you can listen you can do go through a certification and audio you know the audio version of a precision nutrition or something like that while you're cleaning the floors while you're doing maintenance work so potentially there's a way to make that activity more enjoyable even though it's probably never going to be your true ideal activity that you would build into your perfect day yeah i think to uh just to dive right into the next topic because i think you kind of hit on it's like continuing continuing your education is huge. yes um i know for me like if i ever start feeling stagnant i i know it's probably time for me to like try to learn something else that i can put into either a personal training um type client or even to bring into our group classes uh, recently, we've made some huge shifts in the way we, we program and the way we approach um, mindset and things like that. And I know that's brought like a whole new energy to me personally. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this for like eight or nine years at this yeah. point. So it's cool that I can still find ways to make it feel new again, even though it's it's not new. It's almost second nature at this point. So Yeah, I've, I found that for the coaches that are really passionate about it, that this is really their love that continuing education is the equivalent of them like filling their own cup first. Mm -hmm. Like they've been teaching, 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 but they haven't had that moment to learn and get excited about something new. So they're kind of feel like they're pouring from an empty cup. And when they have learned about a new topic and taken the time to do that, now they get this new excitement, this new renewed energy. Um, and, and if, if it can also be a good litmus test of like, is this what you should be doing? Is this your true career? Because I think, from what I've seen, the ones who are passionate about it, that is an invigorating task for them to do, to dive into continuing education, where for the ones that are just kind of doing this more as a hobby or for a part-time, um, you know, maybe they're doing it full-time, but it's just, it's a stepping stone in their life right now. That continuing education always feels like work to them, um, which I think that leads into our next one, which is, um, I think another great way to avoid burnout is to really lean hard into each class to take ownership of and find your unique value that you want to bring to each of those classes. Okay, so our gym, we do Austin programs. We have coaches that help him with the programming. And then that opening coach of each day will then build out a minute by minute lesson plan based on the workout and Austin's notes that he provides. So essentially like our afternoon coaches that day may not have any hand in programming or any hand in the lesson plan, but I still need that afternoon coach to read that lesson plan, 
take ownership of that workout like it's theirs, like it's their baby. And I need them to bring something to that class that they get excited about, that they're excited to share, that they're excited to impart on the members. And it doesn't have to be something huge. It could just be one small thing. But if they feel like they're just repeating what Austin said or what he put in the notes or what Amanda said, then it, it's they're going through the motions and it will not be fun. Yeah, I agree. I think for for us in general, we were pretty good as a, as a staff at communicating of like what went well, what didn't go well, but then also leaving the door open for them to put their own unique spin on any given point of the day. And I think uh, like just a good example of like something we would do is like if it's a we know we're gonna have a strength piece and maybe let's just say it's a clean we'll usually have a skill prep to get ready for the mm -hmm. clean. And that's like a, a really good spot for the coach to add something new or a new flavor into describing the clean or maybe the footwork in the clean or the turnover or whatever it may be. It's cool to see coaches bring out just new pieces of their, their ability. And half the time I'm learning something new as well, mm -hmm. which is another cool point. Um, maybe it's maybe they did the workout earlier in the day and now they have a better way to attack the the 12 minute AMRAP or whatever it's, yeah it's it's just the, the more you do it and the more you really dive into the day the more you can put unique spins on it and it, it kind of makes you excited to help them along the way too and not feel like you're just taking through a, a minute by minute lesson plan so to say it, it, exactly yeah like <clears throat> with something like the clean I find that if you can pick one specific thing. I want to focus on just the extension today and nerd out on just the extension. It allows you as the coach to go deep on something mm -hmm. without feeling like you're slowing down the pace of the class. Um, you're not uh, boring your veteran members. It's actually the most valuable thing that your veteran members can get. And it allows you to really feel like you're a professional that has this wisdom to impart on, on the members and, and yeah, renew that excitement for, for coaching each day. Um, so another thing that we want to talk about, our fifth thing for avoiding burnout is to use a calendar and to get things out of your head onto that calendar, but also to schedule the unschedulable. And, you know, a lot of coaches who kind of fly by the seat of their pants, they, they waste a lot of mental energy keeping things in their head. And the calendar is a great way to get it down on paper. And then taking that a step further, which is putting stuff in your calendar that you wouldn't normally just by default schedule. So I think for those of you that are using a calendar, most likely you have your classes in there already. You have your PT sessions in there. You probably have your weekly meetings in there. What most people don't have in there is they don't have time for themselves to work out. And maybe they want to cushion before and after the workout because they want to do you know, some extra work or some stretching or something like that. They don't have time for eating. They don't have their lunch built in and they're scrambling and they're starving um, and they're doing back-to-back-to-back -back -back sessions on there. Um, it could be programming another one. Like we do, you know, like I said, our coaches do the lesson plan and they might have the, the next morning's coaching hours in their schedule, but do they have at three o'clock the day before 30 minutes blocked off for them to write that lesson plan or are they just kind of hoping they get time at some point during the day and then sometimes they're you know at nine o'clock at night trying to type up a lesson plan for the night before so finding those little things that would normally not fit your schedule and getting them in there getting them out of your head i think it's huge i i, I do little things like even my workouts i feel like some coaches are like oh i'm not going to miss a workout but I, I usually will get busy enough that i'm like oh crap I, I didn't work out mm -hmm. <laughs> or it'll be like the last thing I think about um in regards to like my clients and things like that so for me every day may be a little bit different time of when I'm going to work out but if, if I don't put it in there I'm 
probably going to miss it. So for me, that's been the biggest, biggest thing I've scheduled. Um, and I schedule all the normal stuff too. Like you were talking about like PTs and my classes and, mm-hmm. um, when I'm going to do coaching or co- programming and when I'm going to do the coaches notes and things like that. But simple things like my workout lunch, I probably need to start doing <laughs> that'd be my next, my next move is scheduling my lunch. Um, but yeah, I think those are huge. Yeah. Continuing education is another one mm-hmm. yeah. going back to our original or previous point of taking time for that. And I know personally, like I don't know what I'm doing till like I check the night before or the morning yeah. of like people ask me, Oh, what's your schedule look like tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know. Let me look. <laughs> let's, let's explore together. And I pull up my phone and it's like, okay, I have lots of time or I don't have any time. And I, I just kind of, it enables me to take it day by day as opposed to like being overwhelmed yeah. by what's ahead that week. All right, we got three more for you. So we're going to go into now um, compensation because I think that's a really big aspect of this. And this this does fall more on the gym owners, but I also think there's a lot of coaches out there that are due to step up and have conversations with their gym owners that they're afraid to have and say, hey, you know, I'm doing this. Can I get paid for it? So what I'm saying here is compensate your coaches for all the time that they put in. And this usually shows up as like cleaning the gym after a class, uh, restocking some retail, weekly or monthly meetings, um, organizing and staging the gym, member reach outs that you might do. Um, and, And this could be encompassed into a salary. So if you have a salaried role, you don't have to break this down bit by bit as long as there's some cushion in those salaries to account for this. But if you are truly paying your coaches hourly, and then you're not paying them for meetings, or you ask them, in our case, we ask them to fill out postcards or thank you cards to the members. Um, you know, we've asked them to reach out and, and call members from time to time. If those things aren't accounted for in some way, it's hard for that coach to feel like a professional career coach. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I think the, the biggest thing I see with, with gym owners on this is only paying for the coaching and not take into account the, the other roles, which in my opinion add up to be a whole lot more than the coaching yeah. does in general. The coaches already, well, I shouldn't say they for sure are, but most coaches are already super passionate about the actual coaching. Um, so, for, so for them to get paid to do that is a huge deal in general. And where I see burnout happening is in the beginning, let's say, let's say it's you get 30K as your salary. And at first there might be a young coach who's like, that is awesome. <laughs> I know for me, like, when I went from whatever it was when I started like $20 an hour, my first ever gig to making like, to getting my first salary, I think it was like 32,000. I was like, wow, like they're gonna give me that much money. Like that's like what a teacher makes. Or, <laughs> and then like over time realizing, wow, that if you actually break it like hour by hour from how much work I'm doing, I'm like, I'm not making anything. Um, it, it's huge and it, it sounds silly that I'm you know saying that. It, it is cool for some people to take that first step to, to earn a salary, but if that's all that's gonna end up happening is that's the amount you're just gonna make coaching for us, then there's there's really no room for growth as the coach. And then you're eventually going to get to the point where you're gonna need more. Like if you wanna do anything with like a family or have kids or mm-hmm. anything like that, like unless the, your other half is bringing in some pretty good money, like depending on where you live in the country, that's really not gonna to do too much. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is just, making sure if you're going to ask someone to do something for you to help make the business better and earn the business more money that you're also rewarding them for for doing that job yeah and i don't want to get too too much off track here but i do think that kind of full circle comes back to what you're charging and what you're pricing things at yeah. i think too often 
gym owners are just like, oh yeah, it's just a class. That's all that really happens. And like, you know, what's that worth? Okay, it's not that much. It's not that hard to execute. But it's like, when you think about all the hours of, of programming and coaches development and cleaning and maintenance and the equipment cost and the, the rent costs, there's so many costs that go into it and you have to be priced accordingly. And if, if you can't, you know, pay someone for these things, then you need to think about the value that you're, you're charging in order to do it because it is something that needs to happen for the business to keep going. And I think financial financials on a coach can be like a really stressful. <laughs> and yeah. if you're going into every single class, like stressed about it, like that, that's going to start playing on your mood. And your job as a coach is to almost put on a performance every time you, you start mm-hmm. teaching a group class. And if in the back of your head, you're thinking like, how much longer can I do this? Like yeah. you can just imagine what the, what the quality of the class is going to start to look like, no matter how good you are. Like eventually that's going to get to a point where you're at that burnout stage or you're very, very close to it and something has to give somewhere. Yeah. Which leads right into our next point, which is a small thing, but giving coaches paid time off is a huge step to avoiding burnout. And it's, it doesn't end up being that much in the long run, but it can, it can be well worth the weight of what the actual money amount is. So mm-hmm. like to break this down more specifically, let's say a coach is making $1,000 a week on average, 52 weeks in a year, they're making 52,000 a year. If you wanna give them two weeks paid vacation, which is a pretty standard amount, it might even be on the higher side for a new coach, you could give them 10 days uh, on the lower end, but let's say two weeks is the number, all you're really saying is I'm going to give them an extra $2,000 for that year. It means that they're actually going to get their 52,000 for that year, as opposed to just getting the 50,000. That $2,000 is going to be worth like in my mind, more than $10,000 for that coach. And the difference is when they are away for that week, they're on a vacation somewhere, they're visiting family, they're with their wife or their girlfriend somewhere. And they get to know that that check is still going to come in. That single moment is worth, five or 10 times the value of what you give. And it's so worth it to do that. So simple thing, but a big thing. I was gonna say exactly what you just says. It's not even so much the time off because I think in almost any job you can get off if you need yes. it. But it's you know, some, some people in some situations like rely on that check. And if there's a time that they need off for any given situation, but now they're not sure if, if they're gonna be able to afford rent or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. like you've just compounded the stress for the situation. And like for me personally, I don't like taking big chunks off at a time because I just feel like more stress when I get back. Whereas like just just having the, the almost safety blanket of just knowing it's there if I need it mm-hmm. is almost better than taking it to me. Um, I don't feel like I, I need those days off to like recoup and recharge and like get back to like being happy or whatever because I, I feel like I'm <laughs> always happy with where I'm at in my job. but. If, if there's ever a time where I'm like, maybe I do need a couple of days off, like just to know it's there is, yeah. is huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, oh, I was gonna share how we kind of break down our salaries. Cause it like PT as an example, wouldn't be part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so personal training, uh, well, technically a coach could be working all through cause they get paid up front for sessions. So they could be working for weeks and not get paid on a client cause they've already been paid on a client. So that would kind of stop, but usually for us it's classes and then it's their one or two roles outside the gym. So like for Austin, and he's still going to be responsible for programming. He'll just do it a week early. 
Um, but for some of his head coach roles, those would take a back seat. He'd have a full week off if he were to go away, and he'd still get that. Um, he wouldn't get that PT pay, wouldn't necessarily continue during that time, but he's still getting a good portion of his regular earnings in that time that he's away. So for us, we just simply say, okay, hey, if you're coaching on average 15 classes a week, that's 30 per pay period. So your salary is, let's call it $30 an hour. Your salary is 30 times 30, $900 per two week period. So if you go away, you're still gonna get that 900 regardless, as long as you still have that paid time off to use. So the last thing we're gonna share, and this is a small one, but something I thought of the other day and something we're actually kind of having to do a little bit, but um, eliminating low attendance classes is something that you guys can do to help coaches avoid burnout. And you know, this really comes in in that I think bigger classes are very energizing for a lot of coaches. And when you have classes of, of eight, 10, 12, 15 people, they can be very energizing. You know, they can also be very exhausting as you do three or four of those in a row. But I still think a coach would much rather have those bigger classes and have to kind of rein in the energy of the class as opposed to having multiple small classes in a row where they're having to be that source of energy for that class. It can be very difficult to, to get those, those uh, clients riled up. And then if it's a simpler workout, they might kind of run out of things to coach and might feel like, okay, I'm just kind of like beating this client with a hammer or maybe I should back off at this point and say a little bit less. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, the biggest thing on that is, you know, when you coach a big high energy class, most of the time, at least for me, it's like the class is like over and you're like, you're like you just blinked and it's over mm -hmm. because you're so, you're so into it because you have to be. There's so many people you need to move around. You need to make sure you've talked to everyone, use their names, give, give them all uh, corrections and cues. And by the time you, you feel like you took a step back, it, it's over. Yeah. Whereas like you said, when it is like, let's say like three to five people, you, you start like overanalyzing things like have I given this same cue like eight times to the same person? Like, well, potentially you have because you've, you've looked at them so many times and they maybe still need some work on it, which isn't you, like, always a bad thing, but when it's super repetitive, like yeah. for weeks and weeks and weeks, that's when it starts getting pretty exhausting on the coach because they, they feel like they're just kind of harboring on this one person mm -hmm. for, for really no reason, essentially. Yeah, we could probably do a whole episode on like how to add value to small classes because yeah. I think you know, you do want to kind of like start to think of it like a personal training session where you're, you're almost there more as a friend and a support system and maybe even start counting reps for someone during a set versus like, you know, just trying to get one good cue on someone, one good encouragement, use their mm -hmm. name and then move to the next person. It is a very different approach, but I just think there's like, it's, it's different when someone knows they've paid for a PT session and they're coming in for a specific result versus like they think they're coming to a group class and they happen to be in a class with two to three people. It's just a different kind of feel, even if it's the same client, like yeah. <laughs> that, that often pays for PT sessions and they happen to be there for a group class. They kind of want that group class feel. So, um, so yeah, I, I would just consider eliminating those classes. You know, potentially it's just a short-term thing uh, for, for COVID as you're bouncing back and then you can always bring it back in the future. For us, we're gonna be, we had some, it's kind of a twofold thing where we have a teens program that we've been wanting to launch forever. We have a ton of 12 to 14 year old kids that are dying to get in here and have a specific program. And then we have a 5.30 PM class that's pretty dead on certain days of the week. So we're just gonna try a two days a week teens program on some of those quieter 5.30 PM days um, so it helps kind of spread out or, or actually compact 
those FTX classes, and it also adds a brand new um, you know, group, specific group that we can help and service. Um, so the last thing I want to wrap up on here, we've, we've talked about things that apply to the owner, talked about things that apply to coach. Most of these things apply to both. And really where I could see this going wrong is that a lot of coaches are in this situation where they're not being compensated well, they're not being paid for time off, they're, you know, they are being, burning the candle at both ends. They don't feel like they're being pushed towards a perfect day. And potentially it's one of two options. One option might be you got to find a different gym. But I would start with the second option, which is communicate. Talk to the person who's in charge. Um, communicate multiple times. Sit down with them. Separate a time that you guys can actually discuss this stuff and maybe work out a plan together. Take ownership of that. Don't just... Don't just assume you've had those conversations before because a lot of people are in the back of their heads like, oh, I've said something. It's like, are you sure? Are you sure you've said it a, a way that was uh, feeling like you guys were working together on this? So communicate it again. Um, but if it has to come down to it, you may just have to find a gym that wants to support these things and you might just be in the wrong place. Yeah, I think just to add on that, I, I wouldn't assume as the coach that the owner's doing it on purpose either. I think that like the coaches will tend to jump to like, well, they just don't appreciate what I'm doing. And at the end of the day, they have their own stresses that are going on. Like they're trying to run a successful business, which takes a lot of work. And if you haven't sat down and actually talked to them about the situation, you don't really know what's going through their head. So if you feel like you're being, you know, maybe paid unfairly or something, that's something you need to bring to them because if you've never said anything, they might think it's completely fine right now what you're getting paid. Or maybe they've just based their gym off of a different gym down the street and that's what that gym does. So why would they need to change and things like that? So I wouldn't just assume that they're, they're doing it on purpose. I would, like you said, make sure you actually sit down, have the talk. And you know, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not the right gym. Like you said, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe they don't see it aligned like you do. Um, there's a bunch of different situations that could come from that, but you never know unless you ask or talk, so. Yeah, and then from the owner's standpoint, take, take the initiative to have these conversations with your coaches and realize that if you're starting to have these conversations and they're not getting excited about having these conversations with you and you're really kind of treading water, struggling to, to offload stuff off of your plate, that might be a sign that you need new coaches on board that do want to be career type coaches because if you're constantly having coaches that are fine, just taking classes, just being paid as a part-time role, just trading for a membership, and you have too many of those, that's the, the majority of your staff, then it's gonna be hard for you to ever get to those higher levels um, where you can delegate stuff and, and have a more streamlined business. I think uh, Active Life had a pretty cool podcast like a few, few weeks ago, so I apologize for not knowing which one it is, but they had said something like, if you're in the role of like management or, or you are the owner and you are the manager as well, like you are essentially working for your employees. Mm -hmm. Like everything you do is for your employees. So from that mindset, there, there, there can be some shifts um, of, of things you do and how you look at certain situations instead of looking at like, no, you're doing this for me because I'm paying you. And I think yeah. that mindset yeah. uh, can change a lot too. Um, and make you kind of realize like, they're humans too. <laughs> and not just your employees, they're humans and they're gonna need stuff and they're gonna need your support in certain situations. and. Yeah, I think that could shift some mindsets a little bit. Awesome. We'll wrap up there. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you guys are interested in coaches development, we are doing some really cool things for coaches, um, creating some, some custom solutions right now to help you guys out any way that we can. 
So shoot me an email, andrew at fittown.com if you're interested in coaches development and we'd love to help you out any way we can. But we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for joining.